What a privilege and an honor to be back tonight. I am so grateful uh, for this opportunity to be with you again. I enjoyed last night so good. Uh, I just hate I had to go last because I was just sitting there itching to go. So I'm glad I got to go first tonight. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I want to say what an honor it is to share the pulpit with such wonderful men of God and such faithful preachers of the gospel. And I am honored tonight to, to be able to preach with Dr. Ham. I love him and thank God for him. He has a great church in Alabama. Amen. He's doing some mission work down there. Amen. And And I am so honored just to be with him tonight. I count you a friend, brother, and I thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, and just thank you so much. I'm glad to get to know Brother Steele and, man, I, Brother Corum. I, I know Brother Rick, and so I'm glad to know Ron now. And I, I'm just blessed. I, I'm just blessed. Amen. Anybody just feel blessed tonight? Yeah. Amen. 1 John chapter 2, I'd like to begin in verse 1, and I'm going to ask you if you will, in reverence to the Word of God, stand with me as we read. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. My little children, don't you just like the way that sounds? I, you know, when I read that, though, it sounds different to me than it's written, because I know it says, my little children, but when I read it, it sounds like, this is what I hear, my little children. That, that's how that's, do y'all hear that when you read that? It just doesn't seem right to just say, my little children. It's, it's my little children. I, <laughs> my little children. These things write I unto you that you would sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. And not our sins only, but the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wonderful time of worship that we've already experienced. And God, I pray this evening that you would speak to us as only you can. Lord, I pray you would just dismiss me, set me to the side, and you preach to us tonight. For God, you know every heart, you know every need, and I pray you'd preach. Just get me out of the way. And Lord, I would that all the praise, honor, and glory might be credited to Jesus. In his name I pray, amen. You may be seated. We find here that the Apostle John is writing probably to one of the Asian churches, a church that he loves and cares for, that he has ministered in, probably helped plant, uh, but no doubt has mentored many members of the body. Uh, and as I approach this text, I want to take for a title this evening, what does it really mean to be a Christian? What does it really mean to be a Christian? There's a lot of people who try to answer that question. I'm sure that you've had experiences like I have when you've witnessed to people and you say, are you a Christian? And boy, I've gotten some interesting responses, haven't you? Are you a Christian? Well, well I go to church. Well, isn't that special? Because going to church won't make you a Christian anymore than going to McDonald's make you a hamburger. Now, I have found the more you go to McDonald's, the more you look like a hamburger. And it, 
And it ought to be that the more we go to church, we start looking like the head of the church, namely Jesus. But going to church won't make you a Christian. I, I've asked, are you a Christian? Well, I've been baptized. Well, that's special. Because if you went into baptistry lost, you came out wet and lost. There's no power in the water to save. Are you a Christian? Well, I'm a good neighbor. It bothers me that I have had church members through the years and somebody that they know will die and I'll call them because I know they're their neighbor and I'll say, hey, you know your brother there, your neighbor, he just died. Can you tell me something about it? They've asked me to do the funeral and I don't know him. Was he a Christian? And church members, people who go to church, who are supposed to be Christian, will say, well, he was an awful good neighbor. He never mowed over on my side of the yard. He gave me tomatoes out of his garden. Great neighbor. Well, that's good. Was he saved? What's it mean to be a Christian? We've got all these ideas. We even claim, listen, we even claim to be a Christian nation. When we'll have about 30% or less of our population in church on any given Sunday. The state of Tennessee claims to be a Christian state. And yet our most recent statistics tell us that 57% of Tennesseans are lost without Jesus. We have almost 4 million lost people in the state of Tennessee. Almost 4 million. What does it mean to be a Christian? Is it just lip service? Is it just saying, well, I believe there's a Jesus? Hello? The devils even believe that and they're not Christian. What does it mean? Well, John is writing to the church that he loves and he cares about. We know he does because he starts with my little children. And that's why I hear it saying, my little children, because there's emotion in it. There's feeling, there's love. He cares about them. And boy, isn't that a beautiful picture of what the church ought to look like. We ought to love each other. He says, my little children, because he sees them as family. But look at this. It's not only sees them as family, but he sees them as spiritual children he is to pour into spiritually. Do you know we all ought to be pouring into other people Spiritually. And do you know we all need somebody to pour into us too? Amen. It's true if you believe it or not. Anyway, my little children, he says, he sees it's a family and he cares about them and he sees himself as a spiritual father. So you know he wants to give them the best direction that he can. And I find that he lays out in these three verses a beautiful picture of what it means to be a Christian. The first thing he says is, these things write unto you that you would sin not. You know what it means to be a Christian? It means you strive not to sin. Let me say that again. You strive not to sin. Well, preacher, what do you mean? You want us to live above sin? Well, my daddy used to always say the only way he knew to live above sin was rent a room above a pool hall. What's so funny, about three-fourths of y'all laugh, and the other fourth don't know what a pool hall is. (laughs) 
Suffice to say, a pool hall would be where there are unseemly things going on. How about that? And so my daddy would say, well, you're in a room above pool. That's how you live above sin. And I mean, he was being facetious, but there is some truth there because I'm in a body of flesh and I don't want to sin, but I find myself sinning. Paul said the things I want to do, I don't do things I don't want to do, I do. It is a constant battle in the life of a believer, but a believer in Jesus Christ ought to be fighting the good fight to strive in every facet of their life not to sin. Because you see, sin's not all right. I said sin's not all right. I know our society makes light of it. Our society thinks you can just do anything you want to do, and if it's your truth, then that's truth enough. I got to tell you something. I don't know what your truth is, but I know what his truth is. And your truth don't match his truth, then your truth is is wrong. And so we live in a society who says, well, we're going to redefine marriage. Well, now, how do you do that? You didn't start it to begin with. Hello? Anybody here? We're going to have babies born, and we'll just wait a few minutes, and after the baby's born, if the mama don't want him, then we'll just kill it. That's called murder. And by the way, while I'm there, that baby was alive before it was born. What Jeremiah say? God knew me in my mother's womb. Is anybody here tonight? I'm, I'm trying. Listen, you say, some of y'all saying, "Well, he getting all political." I have yet to get political. I'm trying to be biblical. And what I'm trying to say to you is our society has decided whatever they say is right is right. But that don't make it right in the sight of God. And a follower of Christ ought to be striving not to sin. It's not good enough to say, well, everybody else is doing it. If they're okay with it, then I ought to be. Well, hello? Did your mama never say to you, if if your friend jump off a bridge, you're going to jump? You never heard that. The truth that we've got to follow is in his word. And God says, we ought to be living lives that are not, listen, defined by our sin. He said, strive not to, here's here's what I'm trying to get to. Listen to this. God doesn't think sin is cute. See, we live in a day, and we live in a day where people say, when, when a young person goes out and does something that, they shouldn't do, and our society say, oh, they just sowing their wild oats. Y'all ever heard of that? Where is that exactly in the Bible? First book of them. It's not in there. See, God don't think you go sin, and he looks, oh, look at them, they're just sowing their wild oats. Hello? That's, that's what he said to Adam and Eve when he came down the garden, didn't he? They were hiding. They never hid before. Oh, Lord, don't let me get over it. I want to preach that too. Listen, they'd never hid before, and God came walking down and said, Where art thou? Adam said, We're naked. He said, How do you know? And God kind of did a little deduction, and he said, Have you eaten from that tree I told you not to? And Adam, I'm telling you, I'm glad we're not like Adam. He said, God, the woman that you gave me. Aren't you glad we're not like him? Hey, hey amen. And so God turned to Eve and said, Eve, you eat that tree. And he said, the, she said, the snake. I'm so glad we're not like that. We don't blame anybody else for our sin. Come on. 
See, God takes sin seriously. Now, now I have two boys. I, one's 23 and one's 19. Now, they, they're good boys, but when they were little toddlers, they kind of get to run of the place, especially at grandma and granddaddy's house. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, they could do nothing wrong. You know, there's a vase sitting up there, valuable vase, and they want to get out and play football with it. And the grandmothers will say, oh, let them babies play. <laughs> just old vase. It's no... Just let those babies, whatever they want. Now, if I picked it up and tossed it across the room, they'd have got after me with a broom, you know what I'm saying? It wouldn't have been cute. And a lot of people think that that's how God looks at us. And when we sin, he says, oh, aren't they cute? God doesn't think sin is cute. God never, ever, under any circumstance, finds it acceptable to sin. So you make all the excuses you want to, and you can tell yourself every story you want to tell yourself, but God never says sin is okay. Never. Never. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means we're striving not to sin. Amen. Don't make any room in your life for sin. Do everything you can to resist sin. The Bible said resist the devil and flee. Listen, we ought to be standing on the Word of God and resisting the things of the enemy. What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, at first, it means we're striving not to sin. Secondly, secondly, he said, he said, and if any man sin, can I just tell y'all I'm real glad that part's in there. Amen. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Is that chock full of information or what? It says, if any man sin, we have an advocate. Now, what's an advocate? An advocate is someone who speaks on behalf of another. Some way we might understand it is an attorney, a lawyer, someone who will step up in our place and speak on our behalf. If you have to go to court, you would be well advised to get you an attorney. I know some of you think you know everything because you watched Law & Order one time, but I'm telling you, it was... <laughs> It'd pay big dividends to have a lawyer if you had to go to court because a lawyer knows the lingo of the courts. Yes. He knows how to address the judge. He knows the right motions to make. He knows when to object and when to be quiet. We don't know that, but he does. The Bible said we have somebody who speaks on our behalf. Yes, Amen. Let me tell you who he is. Amen. Amen. Look, you may say, why would I need somebody to speak on my behalf? Well, let, me, let me try to set the scene. Let's just... Uh, Assume that God is God. Come on. And He's God of everything. And so He has the authority and the power to judge. And I want to tell you, there is an accuser. And He loves to go around to the Father and say, Look at Rock, what a sorry dog He is. Look at Him sinning down there. Look at Him. Look at Him. What can I do in that situation? I need somebody that can speak for me. You need somebody that can speak for you. So when we need an advocate, that's what we're talking about. Okay, now stay with me because I want to tell you who our advocate is. His name is Jesus. <laughs> that's the name that was given to him at his incarnation. Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one. Jesus Christ the righteous. Oh, that's rich right there because he is defined. Listen, Jesus tells us his name. Christ tells us he's the Messiah, the anointed one, but his righteousness tells us much about who 
He is. Uh, do you know what it means to be righteous? Watch this. I don't know if you've ever seen a physical illustration of righteousness, but I'm fit to give you one. You ready? Watch this. Watch this. I'm righteous. You ready? Got it? Y'all couldn't see over here. Let, let me have it. Here you go. Righteous. Got it? Amen. That's righteous. See, in the very basis meaning of righteousness, it literally means upright. So that, that well, preacher, that's not what I meant. That isn't what I thought righteousness. Just stay with me. Righteousness means to be upright. It means to stand upright. That's righteous. All right, let me bring it on in if you had not got there yet. So, see, we're we in this courtroom and we've got the accuser coming to God who is God, who has the authority and the power to judge. And the accuser comes, says, look at them, they're sinning. And my advocate, see, the reason I need that advocate is because me and you in the presence of Almighty God Guess what we do? Some of y'all, some of y'all, I know I, I hadn't heard you specifically, but when I say you, I'm just talking about Baptists in general. They love to say, well, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to march up and I'm going to ask God a thing or two. I'm like, did you not get your aerobics in this morning or something? I, I mean, they just got to gyrate. When I'm gonna, and I want to say, have you lost your mind? You're not going to march up and ask him anything. He's God. You're not. The Bible said in the Revelation that when John saw the Lord, he fell on his face as though he were a dead man. In the presence of three-time holy God, we're going to fall on our faces though we're dead men because we're unworthy. So the accuser says, God, look at rock. And there's rock laid out on his face because he's not worthy to stand up. But I've got an attorney. I've got an advocate who can... <laughs> you, you read it, didn't you? Jesus Christ... What is he? Righteous. That means he can stand upright. Listen, it doesn't just mean he can stand upright. It means he stands upright in the presence of three-time holy God. Y'all don't get too excited and shout me down now. Do you understand? Do you understand? You nor I can stand in the presence of holy God and Jesus stands in the presence of holy God because he is holy God himself and he can stand in the presence of God and he makes my case because he is Jesus, the son of God. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one and he is righteous. What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, you're striving not to sin, but secondly, it means you accept who Jesus is. He is I said, he is our advocate. He's Jesus, the name given incarnation, Christ, Messiah, and he is righteous. But it doesn't only mean we accept who he is, but you must accept what he has done. The Bible said, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiation. Hey, man, don't you like that word? Now, listen, I grew up in the church. I told y'all, I've been to church all my life for nine months before. I lived so close to church, I thought my bedroom was Sunday school room most of my life. And <laughs> y'all never lived in the parsonage, don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, and so, so I've gone to Sunday school. I've gone to Baptist Sunday school all my life. And, and I know how we do it in Baptist church. We, we'll go around and read scripture in Sunday school. Y'all ever done that? All right, we got eight verses here. And we're going to go. Everybody's going to read a verse. So we'll go around. And, and, and inevitably, I'd get a verse like this. I'd be like, 
And he is the... (laughs) He is the... For our sin. Now, y'all didn't do that, I'm sure, but I did because I I couldn't read. I didn't know what that meant. Couldn't say it's too long. But then I learned it. Propitiation. Don't ever skip over it again. (laughs) Can you say propitiation? Say it. Propitiation. Come on. Propitiation. Come on. It feels good. Propitiation. Wait till you know what it means. You'll really feel good. You know what it means? Now, don't shout me down. It means, come on now, it means expiation. (laughs) Okay, I know the crowd I'm with. (laughs) You want the Greek word. So we're going to exhaust about my knowledge of Greek, and here it is. The Greek word, now don't shout me down, is alasmos. Amen. Okay. So what does that mean? Alasmos, the Greek text, it literally means, listen to this, it means to appease or satisfy. That's what the word means. Now, there's a lot of folks who don't like to interpret that word as alosmos, even though that's the word there that's used in the Greek. They want to say something else because it's a little offensive because if someone needs to be appeased, it's because somebody's angry. And in this particular text, the angry party is God. Well, I don't like to talk about God being angry. He's a God of love. Let's just talk about him being a God of love. I can't even fully comprehend his love if I don't understand his anger. Do I believe God's a God of love? With every fiber of my being, he's a God of love. And he's just as much a God of wrath. If you don't believe me, somebody tell me why Noah had to build an ark. Why don't we have sightseeing tours down to Sodom and Gomorrah? Because God's a God of wrath. Now, let me help you here. When the Bible said he is the propitiation, it means that Jesus appeased God's anger. What was God angry about? God had, listen to me, he had a righteous indignation. It was a righteous anger against sin that you committed and that I committed. God had a righteous indignation, a wrathfulness against sin. And so, (laughs) something had to be done. And God so loved the world that he sent Jesus Christ the righteous to be our advocate, but not only our advocate... But he sent him to be our sacrifice. The Bible said Jesus came and he walked on this earth for 33 years. And the Bible said he laid his life down on the... I said he laid his life down. And nails pierced his hands and feet. A spear pierced his side. A crown of thorns pierced his brow. And on the cross of Calvary, he shed his life's blood for your sins and mine. And God the Father looked down and he said, Yes. Yes, that is an acceptable sacrifice. And he's the propitiation for our sin. Amen. 
Hey, listen to me. There'll be nobody in heaven who doesn't believe Jesus Christ is the righteous advocate and he's the propitiation for our sin. There'll not be a soul in heaven that doesn't believe that. Amen. But wait a minute. He said he's the propitiation for our sins. And, and not our sins only, but the sins of the whole world. Therefore, by this verse, I have come tonight to proclaim to you, Jesus died for everybody. Jesus died that whosoever could call upon his name should be saved. Jesus died for this one, that one, and every other one because he loves us. He don't care where you're from, where you're going, where you've been, or what you got happening. He died to save souls. Let me tell you how good God is. Let me listen. That's not just information. That's not just so you know, but it's to help you. God is so good that he gave us this verse because it helped us understand just exactly who it is we're supposed to witness to. Wouldn't you hate to witness to somebody that couldn't get saved? I mean, you'd just be wasting your time if you're witnessing to somebody that can't get saved. I mean, they just cannot get saved. For whatever reason. Let me tell you about that person. They don't exist. Are you listening? The Bible said he's the propitiation for our sins and not our sins only, but the sins of the whole world. Who did that leave out? Didn't leave out anybody. When he said the sins of the whole world, he defined for us who we can witness to. And it's not this one or that one, or this side of the track, that side of the track, white, black, yellow, red, pink, it doesn't matter. Listen, this is who we're supposed to witness to because this is who's included in the statement. If they breathe, they need to hear about Jesus Christ, that he died for their sin and he rose from the dead on the third day and he is the only means of salvation. Hey man, go ahead, rock, preach a while. He is the propitiation for our sin and not our sins only, but the sins of the whole world. My brothers and sisters, if you are a Christian, number one, you're striving not to sin. Number two, you accept who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Everybody in heaven's going to be in agreement that Jesus is the son of God who died for our sin and rose from the dead on the third. They're not going to be anybody there who doesn't believe that. Not one. Whew, I got to finish because Brother Ham's going to come really preach here in a minute. And the Bible said, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. What does it mean to be a Christian? Number one, striving not to sin. Number two, accept who Jesus is and what he's done. And number three, obey him. Obey him. Hereby we do know that we know him if. See, it's not enough for you to say I'm a Christian. I say it's not enough to just say you're a Christian. You, you got to live it. Let's just think for a moment. I don't have time to make an exhaustive list. Lord knows I don't. Let's just hit a high spot or two. How about going to church? Well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You already told us that. You're exactly right. I go to church because I am a Christian, and the Bible said, forsake not this ending together of yourselves. Anybody here? Therefore, I believe it's a sin to not go to church. I don't like that. Well, 
That great theologian Roy Collins Sr., my granddaddy said, tear it out of your Bible and you can answer to God for it. How about do you tithe? Brother Ron, we could have gone all night without that. And anyway, that's Old Testament. We're a New Testament church. Well, isn't that special? Because Malachi 3 said, bring ye all the tithe and an offering to the storehouse. That's one dime out of every dollar plus an offering. But in the New Testament, the word says, give it all. So all you New Testament folk, come on. There's an altar. Come lay your house keys, your car keys, your credit cards, and all your cash. Come on. Bring it all. Come on, what, huh? Oh, you liking that Old Testament, huh? <laughs> One dime out of every dollar belongs to God. If you don't tithe, listen to me, I'm going to help. I'm here to help you because I love you. If you don't tithe, you're a thief. Now, I know what I'm about to say, you're not going to believe, but I told one church, I said, if you don't tithe, if you'd just let me know, I'd appreciate it. I said, I won't call you out, but I said, I would like to check the pew where you're sitting, make sure our hymnal's there when you leave. (laughs) Did I say that, baby? She was sitting there. She was about to go home and pack because she knew we was leaving then, but (laughs) but I said it, and I couldn't stop myself, so I said, and if you'll let me know, I want to be sure and tell the rest of the church to lock the doors on their car before they come in because you in here, and you might get out before them. You shouldn't say that. Why shouldn't I? If you, if you rob God, you won't rob me? How, how about loving others as yourself? How you doing with that? You know what that means? That means you love somebody more than you. You're doing good with that. Amen. That's hard to do, isn't it? How about forgiving each other? I, listen, I know you folks at Hillcrest well enough to know that y'all are just a loving fellowship and you love each other and you're not, you know, uptight and don't get upset when somebody crosses over on your side of whatever it is you think you own. But if you should, you're supposed to forgive people. Well, you don't know what they did to me. I don't care. It, are you kidding me? I know what you did to Jesus. I said what you did to Jesus, and he forgave you. And the Bible said, if you can't forgive your brother, neither will he forgive you. Some of y'all, some of you are miserable because you harbor grudges in your heart, and you won't forgive your neighbor, and as a result, your prayer life is dead. I'm telling you what the word says. I got to finish. Lord have mercy. I can't make an exhaustive list. I just hit a few high points for you. But here's what I'm trying to say. If you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, you're supposed to live in obedience. Well, in obedience to what? Whatever he says. I'm going to pick and, no. Whatever he says. That's what you do. And can I help you? I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. Watch this. I'm going to help you. Ready? He'll never tell you to do something that's contrary to his word. So don't walk around here and say, well, God told me to do it when you know good and well it's a sin from the pit of hell. God didn't tell you to do anything contrary to his word. Amen, Rock. Go ahead.
So what does it mean to be a Christian? It means that you're striving not to sin. It means you've accepted who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And it means, listen, that you live in obedience to his commands. Are you a Christian tonight? Are you a Christian? I, I mean, there's, there it is in the text. I didn't write it. John wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. According to the Word of God, are you a Christian? I read a story of a young man. He was in the army. He'd gone to battle. And he was up on the front lines of the battle. And the battle raged hot. And I mean, it got hotter and hotter. People are dying all around him. And he got to be a nervous wreck and just began to panic. And all of a sudden, he got up and ran away from the front line. He was running as far and as fast as he could. He wanted to hear the sound of battle in the far distance. And he's running just out of panic and out of fear. And he's running and running. And all of a sudden, he looks up. And there's a man sitting there in all of his military regalia upon a great stallion. And the man says, Stop! The young man looked up. And the man on the horse said, Son, what are you doing? He said, Sir, the battle's too hot. It rages too high. I'm running from the battle. Just can't take it anymore. I'm running. The man on the horse said, Son, what's your name? The young soldier said, My name is Alexander. The man on the horse said, Son, my name is Alexander. As a matter of fact, they call me Alexander the Great. And I want to tell you something, boy. You need to either change your ways or change your name. God forbid that he would look on any one of us who name ourselves with Christ as Christians and say, you need to change your ways or change your name. 